Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Power to Perform podcast. I'm your host, Allie Mallory, and I'm the Clinical Administrative Specialist here at PHP, and I have my master's in sport and performance psychology. And today's episode is actually a special edition for Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And so with that, I do just want to warn people who are listening that we'll be talking about eating disorders. So if any part of that topic wouldn't be helpful for you to hear, go ahead and skip this episode. And so now I'm going to have my lovely two guests introduce themselves. And Erin, let's start with you. Awesome. Hi, everyone. My name is Erin Rubenking, and I am the Associate Director here at PHP. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor and a licensed addictions counselor, and this topic is super important to me. I am very passionate about the work that we do with eating disorders, especially in athletics. Um, My background, I really got into this field because I wanted to work with people who were struggling with eating disorders. So I worked in a treatment center, um, specifically with people that are struggling. Um, And I have been up here for the last five years working with the athletes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Erin, for being here. Now, Emily, please introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Emily. I am a senior at the University of Colorado. I'm majoring in PR and marketing, and I am on the cross-country and track team. Uh, I believe that these topics are something that there's, there's kind of a stigma around it. So I believe that these conversations are important for sparking change in, um, in sport and especially for young athletes that that need to have someone to look up to. Um, It's time to start being vulnerable. And so I'm really happy to be here and I'm really happy to share my story. We're happy you're here too. So thank you for being on this episode. Uh, So Emily, why is eating disorder awareness important to you? Can you just more elaborate on that? Yeah. um, I remember going through um, my disordered eating or eating disorder in high school. And I had no one to really look up to. I had um, no guidance and I ultimately fell into this this trap. Um, and I, f- I felt like I was suffocating. I was suffocating my own body. And I didn't, mm. I didn't really realize the extent until I recovered. And so I believe that eating disorder awareness is um, is so important because a lot of people who have an eating disorder don't really know that they have it or they're in denial that they have one. So it's it's important to start these having these conversations in order to kind of generate awareness and generate um, conversation around the topic so people can find help and actually start the process of recovery. Yeah. Well, and I just want to say how much we appreciate you sharing that because I know this is a hard topic to talk about. And especially within athletics, I think a lot of the time because athletes are part of part of how you perform is your body and there can be this hyper focus around it. And so I think that it's really brave of you to be able to share about your experience. And like you said, really being able to be a role model to others who may be struggling themselves, whether that's with disordered eating or an eating disorder. Um, It is really important to start talking about it. So what has helped you in your journey so far? And I love that you said journey 
because there's no start and finish line with an eating disorder. Um, if I were to compare it to a certain aspect of my life that I'm dealing with right now, I could compare it to mono. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, like when you contract the virus, you have it and it's really hard, but you recover from it. But this virus stays in your body forever. Yeah. And even if it's not, you know, on the surface, you, you still have it. And even with an eating disorder, you can fully recover but it stays with you, whether that be trauma over certain conversations you have or if it's um, looking in the mirror one day and saying, oh, I don't like the way my, my thighs look or my, my stomach looks. So mm-hmm. it is a journey. But going back to your question, um, there are two main things that help me so much in my journey. And first, it's community. Um, A lot of people won't say this out loud, but eating disorders can be contagious. If you're surrounding yourself with people who have eating disorders, you're very likely to pick up on that. And I know there's this this theory where you're a product of the five people you Hmm. spend your most time with. So if you're spending time with people who have eating disorders, you're likely to catch it. And um, a friend of mine once said that it's the people that make places. If you're in this beautiful, vibrant place, but you're not happy with who you surround yourself with, you will never be able to make progress. So be mindful of who you spend your time with and surround yourself with people you love and care about and that are only gonna help you with your progress and not um, inhibit your progress. And the second thing, which is the most important aspect of my life was my faith. And I felt like God gives everyone a purpose and the biggest barrier that I had to go through in order to achieve my purpose was this eating disorder Mm -hmm. and this was a two three year recovery process for me but now that I've overcome it and I can share my story with these people with people who are dealing with eating disorders I feel like this is part of my purpose and part of my purpose is to share my trials and my my mishaps with running and how um the mind is just such a powerful thing Mm -hmm. and if you can overcome this then you're able to achieve so much so those would be the two biggest things that have helped me in my journey for sure yeah well and I love that you talked about just being cognizant that it may always be with you. And it doesn't mean that you're active in your eating disorder or you're not recovered or you're not in recovery, but it's very much one thing I often tell people is you have to be aware that it is, um, there, there can be certain situations that can trigger it again. And so I think that just knowing that, understanding yourself and what your specific triggers are, it's really important. And eating disorders are extremely complex. Like there is a biological component, a psychological component, social, and then trauma as well. So really being able to be aware of that when people are on their journey in recovery, I think is really helpful because then if there are certain triggers that come up, it's more of just, okay, that's a red flag. What do I need to do to make sure I can stay on this journey? Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree. And it would be wrong of me to sit here and say, I never think about like my body and how it looks every day. I'm perfect. Like that's oh. not the case at all. And this is, it's so dynamic and it's constantly changing. Yep. So um, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what do you want people to know about eating disorders and athletes? <laughs> Us athletes love to play the comparison game. Mm. Um, I started playing competitive sports at the age of eight and it was travel basketball. And I'd constantly compare how many points I scored compared to my teammates or my competitors. And growing up when I found running, um, you know, you can compare times, but then it manifests itself into your body. And your your body's your machine in the sport. Your body's the basketball. Your body's the soccer mm -hmm. ball. And so if your body doesn't look the way the, that um, the girl who's winning's body, bodies look, mm -hmm. um, you want to change it desperately. I remember a certain instance in my life where I was at a cross country camp and we ran with Olympians. And I was a 14 year old girl, by the way. Um, no pressure. No, no pressure. <laughs> we were just running with Olympians. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, I remember after that run, I went on every single social media platform that those Olympians had and I compared my body mm. to, that, to theirs. They're 25, 20, eight-year-old women and I'm a 14-year-old girl who still has baby fat on her face come on now yeah. like I I just remember looking and be like oh I guess like my legs kind of look like her legs mm. but again it just manifests itself in the comparison game so yeah. my advice for athletes would to be to recognize where you are as an individual and recognize um that everyone else's progress does not define your own progress and that when you stop comparing, you're able to achieve so much success because you're internalizing what's best for yourself. Yeah. And you stop directing your focus outward and you start really having those conversations with yourself inward. What can I do to be the best athlete? Not what, what can she do and what can I follow her? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that really does speak to the piece. One of the biggest myths around eating disorders that I find is that you can tell if someone has an eating disorder just by looking at them. And the reality is it is a psychological disorder. So mm -hmm. people of all shapes and sizes can struggle with eating disorders. And I think you're right. Like in, in that comparison piece, it's it can be easy to look at someone's social media and be like, oh, maybe that's why they're an Olympian or that's why they're fast. Um, I think that's another myth, right? Like it's almost like sometimes there's, depending on the sport, there's that idea of, okay, thinner is going to be better. And the reality is when you're fueling yourself properly for your sport, that's when you're going to be able to compete. And I know for a lot of athletes, who may struggle with an eating disorder or disordered eating, they're not able to perform at their best because they're not able, well, psychologically, they're not um, the healthiest that they can be. And from a fueling standpoint, they're not fueling themselves in order to compete to the best of their ability. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that is often the the challenge that we see with eating disorders and it can get triggered by the comparison piece, which once again, like social media, I always say it's it's the highlight reel and nobody's, nobody's seeing the behind the scenes of what's actually happening. So, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And even in a previous podcast, another student athlete here, Riley Berkey, said comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And I I feel like I just keep referencing that because it's so true. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so for someone who may be struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, what would you like them to know? Yeah, this is a really good question because what I would tell my younger self um, when I was dealing with an eating disorder is to give yourself some grace and get out of your own way. Mm. You're the only person who's stopping you from making progress. And once you release that anxiety and that fear around food, you have so much freedom. And especially if you're young, um, you're, these are in high school, this is the time of your life where you're supposed to be having fun with your friends and you're making memories that will last a lifetime. Think about prom, homecoming, mm-hmm. high school graduation, and you're cultivating some of the best friendships that could be lifelong. Um, yeah, I I would say once you release that fearing and anxiety around food, not only do you have a sense of freedom, but you won't miss out on relationships. You won't miss out on friendships. I remember um, constantly having an excuse when I was younger, why I didn't want to go out to eat or why I didn't want to participate in certain events. And um, stop making excuses. You know, start, start the journey towards progress and stop you know, inhibiting yourself from, from seeing that because you're the only person in in your way. And as hard as it is to say, like the journey is not going to be perfect. Progress is never linear, but once you make that decision to get help, once you make that decision to recover, it's only up from there Mm. and you're only going to be better for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, even something that you just said, I often will think about eating disorders as almost like this internal prison. Mm -hmm. And it can be so consuming that you aren't like the relationship piece, I think, is a really key component where when you're in that eating disorder space, it prevents you from being able to be present with your friends. It prevents you from being able to spend time with your family and truly be present because the mind is in your head. You're going through all these different things and all these different fears. And so, you know, hearing you say, you know, the the fear around like going to a restaurant or just, uh, I think sometimes it can show up as trying not to be as rigid of like, okay, like maybe it's not sticking to a schedule. Um, and trying something new or allowing myself to hang out with a friend, even though the eating disorder voice might be telling you to do something different. I think that's really a key component. And I think a key component to the recovery process is the relationship aspect and making sure you have supportive people around you, um, making sure you are able to connect with people because it is, it's a challenging process and it's important to have people to lean on during that. I agree. Yeah. How can people support someone who may be struggling with an eating disorder? Keep an open mind. Um, everyone's journey is going to look different and um, give, give them space to heal. Don't suffocate them because everyone's, again, everyone's journey is going to yep. be so, so different. But also, if you are recovered, be that mentor. 
be be that person to guide someone through their recovery um and and don't be afraid to to seek help or don't be afraid to tell that person they need to get help yep um a lot of times we'll just push it under the rug and say oh this is what they're dealing with like let them do them like i just gotta focus on me but sometimes like in order to spark change in society in order to spark change in the sport we have to have hard conversations with people. We have to address the topic, even if it's uncomfortable and challenging. Mm-hmm. The first step is to have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I I always tell people, you know, if there is a friend or a family member that you're worried about, really just being able to talk about it and say, I'm really worried about you. Here's what I'm noticing how can I support you? And depending on where they're at, they may not be ready to hear that. But I think reminding them that, hey, I'm here if you need to talk and here are some resources. And, you know, the nice thing, especially being in Colorado, we have some really amazing eating disorder resources. Um, and so that's always really helpful when someone's struggling. And so that's one thing that I always tell people is just let them know, hey, I'm here. I'm here to listen. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you get help. And know that they may not be ready at that moment, but at least they know, okay. Where to go. Yeah, where to go. Exactly. And for any CU student athletes listening to, just a reminder, PHP is also here to help. Um, And then we also have a group therapy starting potentially this spring yeah we do we've done different uh body image groups in the past and so the one that we're doing right now is called bodies in motion and so we're offering that so any cu student athlete can sign up for that group if they're interested and it's not specifically for eating disorders it's more for the body image piece but obviously that is a big component of eating disorders so that's another resource yeah Well, just to wrap up, I want to thank you both for being on this podcast. Is there anything else you want to add to finish it off? Yeah. um, Yeah, I think you guys touched on using your resources and using PHB has been very beneficial to me. Um, Yeah, uh, I think having the hard conversations. I mean, this was this was hard, you yeah. know, like I, yeah. I mean, coming here and talking to you guys, it's and being vulnerable about a topic that's kind of uh, deep and in, ingrained in me. And, yeah. um, it's hard to have this conversation, but it's important. Like yeah. these, and I love what you guys are doing. Like having awareness around this topic is huge in the sport, especially mm-hmm. for, um, runners. I, I believe, but it also encompasses all, all athletes and I'm not taking that away from anyone, but, um, yeah, thank you guys for having me and having this conversation. Well, thank you for being part of it. I know we were excited when you wanted to do this. So, um, the only other thing I would add is just a reminder that recovery is absolutely possible. It is not easy, but it's definitely, it's definitely attainable. And so I think that reminding yourselves to be gracious with yourself if you are struggling and know that there are so many resources, um, here to support you, um, and not to be afraid to reach out. I know it can, like Emily said, it can be really scary to say, Hey, I need help or I need some support. And 
that's what our office is here for. Um, we're here to support the athletes. And so if anyone is struggling, even if it's not an eating disorder, if it's more disordered eating or maybe struggling with body image, uh, sport performance as it relates to that, definitely let us know how we can help you and we will be happy to. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, both for being on this episode. This was awesome. Um, and thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next week. 